So if you have your Bibles, electronic devices, you can click to turn to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 20 through 51 is what we're going to look at this morning. And, and so if you don't happen to have like a Bible with you or an app with, a, with the scripture, no worries. The words are going to come up on the screen as I, as I read them. And so many of you are aware that last weekend I started a brand new series. We started looking at, at David's life uh, because I think his life has a lot of things that apply to us and the times and the situations that we're in. And so last week we started this journey just going through his life and we looked at this subject of a man after God's own heart. And so that doesn't mean that David was like perfect and was without sin. Because when you look at his life, in fact, is next week, we're going to see his greatest downfall and how to, and, and how to handle that. And so, so, but when you look at his life, you realize that David had kind of a checkered past. And, and so he wasn't always perfect. But what that phrase simply means is he had a desire to follow God and he had a desire to be obedient um, to the very best of his ability. And now we come to this, this, this section of scripture it was probably his greatest triumph. I mean, it was a defining moment. We've entitled this message, Confronting, uh, confronting a Giant in Your Life. And we're going to look at that. But this was a defining moment for David's life. This is the, the, the story of whether, whether you've been in church all of your, all of your life and, or whether you haven't been in church. I mean, this is something where the not Christians and non-Christians know a little bit about this story, about David and Goliath, and there's some references that will be made to that. And so that's the story that we're going to look at today. And so when we pick up the story, David was still a young boy. And so his mom, his, 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 his brothers, I'm sorry, his brothers were, were at the battle line. There's a big war going on with the Philistines, and there's this standoff that was happening. So his mom comes to him. Actually, his mom came to his dad, and his mom says, you know what? I want, I want to make sure the brothers, my sons, are taken care of. So I've made them some brownies and some chocolate chip cookies and a sandwich, and I made them a picnic basket. Would you have David go to the battle lines and, and find out how they're doing? Because they, they had no word how the brothers were doing or how her sons were doing. And this was in the days, and I know it's hard to believe, this is in the days before social media and texting and, and, um, and Facebook and all of those other things. And so they had no word how everybody was doing. And so Jesse, David's dad, came to, to David and said, Son, your mom has, picked, has made your brothers some, pick, some, some cookies and some other things. Why don't you run them to the battle lines um, and, and take care of them, find out how they're doing, and then come back and let us know. And so David, I mean, for David, this is just like any other day. David woke up and had no clue that this is going to be a defining moment in his life or God was going to give him an assignment. And a lot of times that happens with us, right? That we can wake up one morning and it seems like a day just like any other day and all of a sudden we realize this is going to be a defining moment in our life. And so David shows up on the battlefield and, and there's a giant on the battlefield. Now listen, I, I just want to help you because this has a lot of application into our life and a lot of times we as Christians, we, we face giants. A giant is anything in your life that like paralyzes you, discourages you, gives you fear to where you come to that place to believe that no matter what, this giant, this thing is never going to remove, be removed out of my life. I'm never going to be able to conquer that. A giant in your life and a giant in my life. And listen, we face giants in our family. We face personal giants that stepped out on our battlefield. And then we've stayed, we face some medical giants that have stepped out on our battlefield and affected the whole family. And so maybe you're the same way. And maybe you're here this morning and says, you know what? I'm facing a giant right now. I mean, I'm facing a giant with some of the things that I am facing, whether it's in my marriage, whether it's in my relationship, whether it's in the economy, my job, some health challenges or anything like that, and I'm facing a giant today. And I'm telling you, giants in your life and giants in my life must be destroyed. 
And David gives us a way, a prescription to do that, some things that we need to remember. So we pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 20, and we're just going to read through this, and I'm going to, in just a few minutes, I'll give you five things that we need to remember to destroy giants in our life. So here's what the scripture says in verse 20. He says, so David got up early in the morning and left the flock with someone to keep it loaded up and set out as Jesse, that's his dad, had charged him. He arrived at the perimeter of the camp. The army was marching out to its battle formation, shouting their battle cry. Israel and the Philistines lined up in the battle formation, and, I mean, they are facing each other. David is now arriving in the midst of this conflict, and now he's getting to see it for himself. And so, verse 22, so David left his supplies in the care of the quartermaster and ran to the battle line. And when he arrived, he asked his brothers how they were. He, was, he wanted to know, how are the brothers doing? And so he had to be, listen, David had to be captivated with what was going on. I mean, David was a young man, and see, a young man in Israel would have to wait till 20 years of age to be able to fight, to be able to go to war. And now David's like this young man, and he's on the battle line. He's getting to see it go down for himself. And while he's there, and while he gets to the front lines, all of a sudden he sees Goliath step out. Goliath was bigger than life. He was a Philistine. Most theologians and historians tell us that Goliath was over nine feet tall. Listen, that's two feet taller than Shaq. I mean, Goliath was like this. He was like this mammoth of a man. And then you take on all the battle armor and the helmet that he would wear. He had to look 10 to 11 feet tall. He had to look bigger than life. And Goliath, for 40 days this was going down. Goliath, two times a day for the last 40 days, would step out on the battlefield and he would shout, let's settle this one-on-one. Let's settle this together. Just win or take all. If your best man defeats me, then the Philistines will be your slaves for life. But if I defeat your, your best man, then Israel will be our slaves for life. You cowards, take me on. So just real quickly, if you've been wondering just a biblical reference for like MMA or WWF, where it got its start, right here. Trash talking and everything. Goliath was coming out, and Goliath was intimidating them. He, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was challenging them. And you look at this, and you realize that um, Israel, nobody wanted to face the giant. None of them, not even Saul. And the scripture says that Saul was like taller than any other man. He was more athletic. He was more gifted. He, 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 he was a better warrior. Not only that, Saul wouldn't even go out. I mean, you look at this group of people, this giant has discouraged them. This giant has paralyzed them. See, that's sometimes what happens in groups of people. That's sometimes what happens in countries. That's what sometimes happens in families, that when a giant steps out on your battlefield, that if you're not careful, it'll par- paralyze the whole family. It, it, it paralyzed the whole organization. It paralyzed the whole country. And so this giant steps out, and Saul didn't know what to do. And Saul didn't want to face Goliath. So you know what Saul does? Saul turns to the men, and listen, later on, you can read all of this. I'm just trying to help you with the context, but it's all there in 1 Samuel chapter 17, 16 and 17. And so, so Saul turns to the men, and Saul says, okay, men, anybody that will go take on Goliath and win... I will give him one of my daughter's hand in marriage as a prize. But David's going to find out later that wasn't the best deal going. And so uh, I'm just, you can read it. For, I mean, I'm not making stuff up. You can read it for yourself. That wasn't, that wasn't a good deal. And so nobody would take him up on it. 
So then you know what he does? He turns to the men and says, okay, you can not only can you have my daughter's hand in marriage, but if you beat Goliath, I will also exempt you. You, you and your family for life will never have to pay taxes, income taxes ever again. Still, no one would take him up on it. So verse 23, when he was speaking with them, suddenly the champion named Goliath, the Philistine of Gath, came forward from the Philistines' battle line and shouted his usual words, which David heard. Now, this is the first time David's going to hear this for, for, with his own ears, and it's shocking to him. When all the Israelites' men saw Goliath, they retreated from him. What? Terrified. That's how you know. That is how you know you are facing a giant in your life. That is how you know a giant has stepped onto your battlefield, whether it's a personal battlefield, whether it's a family battlefield, with your organization or whatever. It strikes terror into your heart. In other words, it's what they said, that they were, they, they, they were terrified, including Saul, including David's brothers. And so you may, listen, you may be struggling right now, and I do not want to ignore this fact. You may be struggling with a giant right now. Just me even mentioning this, all of a sudden came up your giant, the face or the situation that you're dealing with. And you may be dealing with a giant, whether it's personal, whether it's with your family or collectively as a family. It may be something that you're dealing with. See, a giant is anything that gives you terror. A giant is anything that paralyzes you or gives you fear. A giant is anything in your life that you believe, I am not going to defeat it. It's going to defeat me. It's not going to defeat me. It's going to defeat my family. It's going to defeat my future. And see, here's what happens. This is why it's so important to understand these issues of giants in your life. If you retreat, if you stay paralyzed, some things are going to happen in your life. See, we see this in the story as we just, as we just walk through the story. And one of the things that's going to happen, if you're not careful, resentment's going to build up. I mean, you see this like in relationships, right? You see this in marriage. You see this in situations. You can see this in organizations to where all of a sudden something comes up in a relationship, a marriage or whatever, and you don't deal with it. You don't address it. You kind of just suck it up and go on. And you know what? If you're not careful, resentment will build up. And resentment, if you, resentment will destroy you because resentment will not allow you to live in the grace and the forgiveness of God. Resentment will hold on to everything that hurts you or disappoints you or everything that happens. It just soaks it up like a sponge. Here a while back, the best way I can illustrate this, and listen, I've used this illustration a couple of times uh, in my history here at Fellowship of the Rockies. It's just one of my favorite illustrations. And, and, and so a number of years back, I felt the Lord wanted me to buy a motorcycle. And so my wife is a nurse, and like that's not gonna, that's just not gonna happen. And so, but I wanted a motorcycle. And so one morning, this many years ago, I says, "Well, I'll just read the one ads back when, back when people read the newspaper, and uh, like you, you shop for stuff. There was this whole section in the newspaper for for the younger folks. You used to, we used to use the newspaper, and we'd go the the help wanted section, or we'd go for sale section, and we'd buy stuff like that. Now you do it in Facebook and some other things, right? And so anyway, so I, I open up the paper, and I'm reading. This is an actual ad for a motorcycle that I read. I could not believe it. And you talk about resentment. Watch this. So for sale motorcycle Suzuki GSXR 1000 cost nine thousand dollars. The bike is perfect. Only a hundred, only one thousand miles on it. And it has had its 500-mile dealer service. I'm selling it <laughs> because it was purchased without the proper consent of a loving wife. <laughs> he does not stop. 
apparently, do whatever you want doesn't mean what I thought. <laughs> Call Steve. I, I literally almost called Steve just to offer some pastoral counseling and just to find out the rest of the story, right? So, so that's the problem with resentment, right? It can, just, it can just build up. And see, resentment leads to bitterness. Bitterness is this issue in your heart that all of a sudden you just pick up stones to throw, but instead of throwing them, you save them for when you need to, like, level the playing field. When you need to use them to hurt someone. And then that leads to fear, and this is what Israel's dealing with. Just total fear. Fear of a giant. Fear of a situation. So what, what, what strikes fear in your heart? And that's sometimes a sign of a giant. What's the economy? The economy crashing. Stock market crashing. What's going on in our country? What, your relationships? What, what is that? And then if you're not careful, it leads to, just leads to discouragement. And this is where we find these guys. I don't know if you've realized this or not, but it's difficult in life to move forward, and it's difficult in life to confront a giant when you're faced with discouragement. George Patton, the great general, said this. He said, the problem with fatigue, fatigue makes cowards of us all. When you're discouraged, and when you can't sleep, and when you have fatigue, and you just, you barely have the emotional energy to get through the day, it's hard to develop, and it's hard to have the emotional energy that's needed to confront a giant, which leads just to worry. You just worry, and, 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 and we think the worst. The worst is going to happen. So listen, so that's just the, the introduction. Now let me give you five things that you and I need to remember. And listen, I, I refer to this often in my life, but just five things that you and I need to remember when we're confronting a giant. Uh, this, I mean, this just comes out of the pages of Scripture, and I'll give you some, some illustrations as well. And, and so five things to remember. And the first thing is this. Uh, people who are defeated will try to discourage you. People who are already defeated will try to discourage you. People who are already discouraged will discourage you. People who are already living in fear will, will discourage you. People who are unwilling to face the giants in their life will discourage you. This is just so important for us to understand. Where, where do we get counsel from? Where, where do we find encouragement from? So verse 26, and David said to the men who were standing with him, so he just asked some questions. With what will be done for the man who kills the, that Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Just who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Now, that word uncircumcised Philistine, it's like, God, it's, like, it's like David is just wanting to know. You guys remember this guy, this guy Goliath, not a God follower. Not a God follower. That's what he's trying to remember them. He does not have God with him. He is not a God follower. That he should defy what? The armies of the living God. Now you know what David's upset about. He's upset about he's defying, he's defying God. And then he goes on. The troops told him about the offer, concluded, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. David's oldest brother, Eliab, listened as he spoke to the man. So he's overhearing this conversation. And he became angry with him just for asking a question. All David's doing, asking a question. Why did you come? This is what Eliab says. Why did you come down here, he asked. So now you can hear... You can hear resentment, you can hear bitterness, you can hear anger, you can hear all of those things because Eliab's discouraged. He says, who, who did you leave those few sheep with you in the wilderness? 
I know. Now, this is where he questions his motives. This stuff still happens today, right? I know your arrogance and your evil heart. You came down to see the battle. So you have to ask yourself, what is up with Eliab? Why did he respond like that? See, Eliab, remember, if you were with us last week, you know that when, when Samuel went to Jesse's house, when Samuel went there, he first saw Eliab. Eliab's the oldest. He would have been the natural one to, to, to succeed Saul and take the throne. And yet he was passed over. So Eliab's probably still bent out of shape about that whole deal. And so he has a little bit of jealousy, so he's jealous. And so for 40 days, Eliab has been taken that. He's been listening to Goliath intimidate him. And so now he's, now he's attacking. See, here's the danger. I'm just telling you. Here's the danger when you and I face giants, what's in our family, whether it's in the country, whether it's in a church, whether it's in an organization. When you fight giants collectively, if you're not careful, you will turn on one another. Am I the only one that is just getting weary in these days when we're facing giants as a country? And I'm watching, listen, I'm watching Christian yell at Christian. I'm watching Christian attack Christian. Where's your faith? Why don't you believe God? Why don't you see it my way? Questioning one another's just their motive. See, this is what's going on with with. with, with with his brother. They're brothers. They are brothers. And, they're, and he's attacking him. I mean, if you just entertain the idea sometimes when people are walking in fear, when they're discouraged, if you just, if you just entertain the idea, you can be attacked. And you see this in this story. But David, David totally different. This is why I admire David. So look at this, verse 29. What have I done now? That's what his response was. You, all of a sudden, you see David's emotional and spiritual maturity. He doesn't attack Eliab back. Hey, brother, you were passed over. God, God believed more in me to be the king than you. Remember that? David didn't say any of that. David didn't even attack. David took the high road. What have I done now, protested David? All I did was ask a question. Then he turned. So this phrase, verse 30, is so important for us to understand. Then he turned from those beside him to the others in front of him and asked about the offer. The people gave him the same answer as before. What David said was overheard, reported to Saul. And so, David, uh, so, so he had David brought to him. And so that phrase, verse 30, is all of a sudden he turned from those who were already discouraged. He turned from those who were already living in fear. He turned from his brother. He turned from those, and he turned to others that could give him godly counsel, that could help him. Sometimes, listen, sometimes when you're facing a giant, you're going to have to turn from some people. Sometimes you're going to have to turn some from people that are attacking and questioning motives and all of those other things, and you're going to have to find someone with emotional and spiritual maturity. This is what David was doing, to where you turn and you get godly counsel from the right people. But the problem is, is like Saul, Saul is still discouraged. Look at verse 32. So David said to Saul, don't let anybody be discouraged by him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. But Saul replied, you can't go fight this Philistine. We've been, we've been trying for 40 days. You're just a youth. And he's been a warrior since, since he was young. In other words, David, you're just a kid. Goliath, 
he, he was fighting before you were born. I mean, this man, I mean, this man, but listen, I'm telling you, sometimes you cannot get good counsel from people that, who are already living in fear, who already are discouraged. Have you ever, have you ever done that? Have you ever been in a situation, have you ever been in a set of circumstances and you wanted to confront a giant? You said, you know what? I think this is how we should do it. And people around you are like, no, we can't do that. I mean, we, we just have to live in fear. You know what? We just have to live terrified the rest of our lives. We can't. We, this is what's happening. Saul, remember Saul, no, no longer a man after God's own heart. That's why it's important for you and I, when we face giants, to fight what's in a life group, whether it's in church, whether it's someone that is encouraged, that, can, that is godly and has emotional and spiritual maturity that can help us understand how to face giants in our life with faith. Because David would later write, and he would, he would write this, he said, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. But his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the word. The third thing is, the second thing is this, is, is you must spend. You must spend time faithfully and privately in preparation before God. In other words, this is a secret walk of the Christian. This is the private, the, 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 the private disciplines of a Christian. This is spiritual disciplines of a Christian. So, of just simply taking delight in the law of the word, of the, of, of the, the law of the word of the Lord, the, the Bible. We'll say it that way. <laughs> to where we read Scripture. Long before, listen, God was preparing David for this battle long before he stepped out on the battlefield. Just quietly tending sheep, being obedient to what God had called him to be and to do, just taking care. And so he's, he's explaining to Saul, he says, you know what? God has been preparing me for this for a long time. Whenever a lion or a bear would attack the sheep, I could use a club and I could use a sling and I could take care of them. So verse 34, so David answered Saul, your servant has been tending his father's sheep. So he's trying to give him his resume. Whenever a lion or a bear came forward and carried off a lamb from the flock, I went after it. I struck it down and rescued the lamb from its mouth. If it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur, and I'd strike it dead, and I'd kill it. In other words, I'll do the same thing to Goliath. God has been preparing me for this for life. A lot of times God prepares us for our defining moment. God prepares us for dealing with giants in, in our life by just the simple spiritual disciplines of reading scripture, of prayer, of worship, of being obedient in the little things, tending sheep for David before we confront a giant. Re remember, the scripture says that when, when, when Samuel anointed David, the, the spirit of the Lord came on David powerfully. And we see that in the scripture. So verse 36, we'll just continue through the story. Your servant has killed lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine, I love that. David kept reminding this, this isn't even a God follower. We'll be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. Then David said, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. 
When you look at the scripture, you realize that when, when David was confronting this giant, he didn't put his confidence in himself. He put his confidence in the Lord. I mean, David said, you know what? Who's going to deliver me? The Lord's going to deliver me. David's confidence was not so much in himself. All he had to do was be obedient. Listen, let me just tell you, the only way you and I defeat giants in our life is by obedience. It's by obedience, so there, there is no other way, way. Just by obedience. And so when you look at this, David's faith was not in himself. David's faith was in the Lord. He, 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 he didn't have to have faith in himself because he had faith in God. A lot, of times, and a lot of times when you see, like in the Old Testament, we saw it in Joshua's life. When we looked at Joshua's life, we saw it in Caleb's life. Whenever they faced giants, uh, Abraham, Abraham was the same way. Whenever they faced giants in their life, it's interesting to me. And, and, and I looked at this several, several situations this last week, and we don't have time to go through them all. But I can just tell you this. One of the common factors when you look at Joshua, Caleb, Moses, Abraham, now David, when they faced a giant, their, fo their focus wasn't on the giant. Their focus was on the Lord. And that is so important for us to remember. See, a lot of times what happens, our focus moves to the giant. And when our focus moves to the giant, and that's all we talk about. We, we, we think about the giant. We talk about the giant. We go to bed. The last, time, last thing we think about before we fall asleep is that giant. The first thing we wake up in the morning, we think about that giant. We think about that thing ahead of us. We think about that thing that's giving us fear and terrifying us. And what happens when you and I do that, the giant in your life becomes larger and larger and larger to where you think, you know what, it can never be defeated. It can never be, I, I just got to suck it up, and I just got to live the rest of my days terrified, paralyzed, and in fear. But when you look at these guys, you realize that all of a sudden, their focus is totally different than ours. Their focus is on the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to do? How do I, how do I handle this? What, what do I do next? Why is it so often we, when, we, when we look back over our life and we look at things that we've, we've gone through, we focus more on our defeats than we do on when the Lord provided? Why is that? Just, but not David. David came to this place. See, every, everybody was so afraid of Goliath because you know what they said? They said this giant is just so large, large, so big, we cannot defeat him. David stands up and says, you know what? He is so large, I cannot miss him. I mean, good thing he's so large. He'll be hard easier to hit with a slingshot. I mean, I'll take care of it. And so the third thing is this. You have to move towards the giant instead of running from it. There are so many people, the reason they're terrified and the reason they're paralyzed is because they are not running towards a giant. They are not facing it. They are not addressing it. Everybody in their, in their relationships, their, their, their family or the situation, everybody knows. It's like the elephant in the room. It's that thing that nobody's willing to talk about. How are we going to address this? How are we going to take care of this? And you realize with David, I mean, he wanted to address it head on. That's why Saul told him, he says, well, Go. And may the Lord be with you. If, listen, if you want to move past your giants, you have to be willing to address it. There's a temptation for all of us to, like, run and hide. There's a temptation just to ignore it, right? And just ignore it and say, you know what? I just hope, I, I, I hope it goes away. Well, it's not going to go away. Or we say, you know what, we'll just kind of address it indirectly. The best response is to address it directly. 
Address it directly and address it quickly. Because the longer you and I wait to address a giant, the worse the situation gets. Now, listen, I, I know you guys are, like, more spiritual than, like, the Saturday night crowd, so you're going to get this. They hurt me so bad last night. I, I dropped some Texas wisdom, and then I had to explain it. They didn't even get it. And so we have a saying, and I know there's a lot of wisdom in Texas, and, and you do too, right? Maybe you're not as spiritual even as a Saturday night group. I don't know. We have a saying in Texas. Let's just do it this way. We have a saying in Texas when we have to do a hard task, when we have to face a giant, we simply say this, if, if you have to swallow a frog, do it quickly. You're, you're just like the Saturday night group. Now i got to explain it. Because <laughs> we eat frogs in Texas, okay? Uh, we eat stuff you guys do not eat because we're cultured. And so... Uh, and you know I'm joking, right? And so, so if, if you have to swallow a frog, don't look it in the eyes very long. Swallow it quickly because the longer you look at it in the eyes, the bigger it gets. That's just what it means. If you have to make a tough decision, make it first thing in the morning. If you have to make a hard phone call tomorrow, make it first thing in the morning. Why go through the whole day stressed about how they're going to respond? What are they going to do? If you, if, if you need to make a difficult decision, do it first thing in the morning. If you may have to have a hard conversation, do it first thing in the morning. If you have to send a, duff, a difficult email, do it first thing. In the, don't go through the whole, because you know what? The longer you wait, the harder it gets. To have that conversation, to type that email, to send that text, whatever it is, to where if you go through a 24-hour period, the next day doesn't become any easier than the day before. And the next day, does, and, and then it gets harder and harder. Confront as soon as possible. Come to that place just to do it. See, this, this, this is David. This is why I believe David was a man after God's own heart. David understood. I mean, David understood, and he said, the fact is, in Psalms, one of the Psalms, David writes these words, and he says, I, 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 will, I will, will hasten, and I will not delay to just obey your commands, God. And he ran quickly to address it. The fourth thing is this. Don't try to be somebody else. Use your strengths. Do not, listen, do not be comfortable with who you are. Be comfortable with your, your, your personality. Be comfortable with the way to how to address, how to comfort. Use your strengths. Verse, verse 38, then Saul had its own military clothes put on David. He put a bronze helmet on David's head and had him put on armor. David strapped his sword on over the military clothes and tried to walk but he was not used to them. I can't walk in these. In other words, Saul, I can't be you. Man, I can't be you. And David said to Saul, I'm not used to them. So David took them off. Don't try to be somebody else. Have you ever experienced this? We see it in Scripture. <laughs> Saul was not willing to face the giant. But he's going to tell David how to do it. You ever been in a family? You ever been in a situation and someone's discouraged and living in fear, unwilling to face the giant, and you say, hey, I'm going to face the giant, and here's how I'm going to do it, and then they tell you how to do it? Don't. Don't try to fight your battle in somebody else's strengths. 
somebody else's ability. Man, there's plenty of people, and there, there are plenty of people, even as believers, to say, you know what? We're, we're going to fight our battles with the weapons of the world. Don't forgive them. Just get even. I mean, pay them back. Don't, don't forgive them. Bitterness is good. Just hang on to it and get revenge. Whenever you have that first chance, use those stones that you've saved up. Just get revenge. Worry. Man, just worry. Don't do anything. Just worry. Worry is good. Just don't wor- just, just worry about it. There's plenty of people that will tell you, you know what? Just, just fight your battle with the, with the world's weapons. But see, that wasn't David. David understood that, you know what? I cannot fight my battles with the weapons of the world. I am a God follower. I am going to be obedient to the scriptures. And so David comes to that place. He understood Saul was discouraged. He understood his brothers were discouraged. And so Saul comes to that, or David comes to that place and says, Saul, I can't be you. And I don't want to be you. I need to fight it the way that God has wired me. And so David, David picks up five smooth stones. And listen, I've, I've been to the Valley of Elah twice uh, right before COVID shut down, as, as we're getting out of Israel, they're shutting everything down. And so I took 40 people from our church. And so I've actually been here. I've actually stood in this, the, the creek bed, the, the wadi is what it's called, to where David got the five stones. I have stones from that. You know, that's something. I don't know how Israel doesn't run out of rocks because everybody that goes there takes five stones and there's still plenty of rocks. And so... And it's like a natural amphitheater for a battlefield. I mean, it's amazing to see. You got, you got a ditch, wadis, on both sides, and then you have this long plateau. You can see how the, the armies from Gath, the Philistines, would come down, and they would meet there. And, I mean, you could see the, you, you could see the whole thing. And so David picks up five stones. And this is going to lead us into our last uh, principle. But David picks up five stones. And so a lot of people, theologians, sometimes argue about stuff that nobody really cares about. But one of their arguments is this. Why did David pick up five stones? Did he not trust God? Did he not have enough faith? Why did he need five stones? And so some believe, well, maybe he just didn't have faith. Maybe he just really didn't trust God. And so some will say, well, you know what? When you study this, you realize that Goliath had four brothers. And so maybe it was one rock for Goliath and then the other four or the other, other, other four for his, for his four brothers that he felt like, you know, the brothers are going to come out and they're, they're going to take up. And so, and so that's what, here's what I believe because of the context of this. The reason that David picked up five smooth stones David had a commitment. I'm going to destroy this giant with whatever it takes. If it takes one stone, so be it. But if it's going to take all five, so be it. I'm not stopping in my life until this giant is destroyed. He made a commitment when he started on that path. He knew it wasn't going to be easy. He knew it wasn't going to be, he knew it was going to be difficult. How many people have faced a giant in their life with one stone and they slung one stone and it did not work and they said, see there, I can't do it. And we're so easily discouraged. Listen, yes, with David it took one stone, but I got to tell you, there are some giants that I've faced in my life, it took more than one stone. And it wasn't just one afternoon. It was a season of my life. And if you're going to destroy giants in your life, you have to come to this place to say, I'm going to attack this giant until it goes down. I am not stopping. last one is this. Don't quit. Stay the course. Just don't quit. 
That's one of my encouragements to you this morning. Verse 40. Instead, he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in the pouch in his shepherd's bag. Then with his sling in his hand, he approached his, the, the Philistine. The Philistine came closer and closer to David with the shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked up and saw David, he despised him because he was just a youth, healthy and handsome. And he said to David, Am I a dog that you come against me with sticks? Then he cursed David by his gods and come here, the Philistine called to David. And I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the wild beast. And now let's see, you realize trash talking is like biblical, right? <laughs> now you know, you not only have learned today where WWF originated from, now you've learned that, you know what, where trash talking came from. Not from Michael Jackson and J uh, Michael Jordan, got the wrong guy. <laughs> And Charles Barkley, you know, and T.O. and all those guys. Now you know where it came from, okay? This is why you come to church, verse 45. <laughs> so David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you, watch this, in the name of the Lord's armies, the God of the ranks of Israel. You defied him. Today the Lord will hand you over to me. Today I'll strike you down, remove your head, and give the the, the corpse of the Philistine camp to the birds of the sky and the wild creatures of the earth. Then all the world will see that Israel has a God. And this whole assembly will know that it is not by sword or by spear, but the Lord saves for, watch this, for the battle is the Lord's. He will hand you over to us. David understood, guess what? You know who the battle is? The battle is the Lord's. I just have to walk in obedience. I just have to trust you. It is, it is the Lord that is willing to fight this battle. Six different times in this reference, in this conversation. Who did David reference? His strength, his ability? No. He referenced the Lord, verse 48. When the Philistines started forward to attack him, David ran quickly to the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in the bag, took out a stone, slung it, and hit the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down to the ground. David was an excellent marksman. One time in Israel, one of our guides, we were in the Valley of Eli, and, and one of our guides had a, a sling that David would use, and he was a marksman at it. It was amazing. When he started twirling that stone, I mean, you could hear it, you could hear it cutting through the air, and when he released it, it was like a bullet. It was amazing how accurate he was. Verse, verse 50, then David defeated the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and David overpowered the Philistine and killed him without having a sword. And David ran and stood over him. He grabbed the Philistine's sword, pulled it from its sheath, and used it to kill him. Then he cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they fled. David finished the job. One of the things that the theologians argue about is why did David cut off his head? Because he never wanted to deal with that giant ever again. He finished the job. He said, I'll do whatever it takes. And listen, I'm telling you, if you're going to confront a giant in your life, you're going to have to come to the place to say, you know what? I'm going to address it. And it may not take one stone, two stones, three stones. It may take, it may take everything I got. But I'm going to finish it. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?